It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. Part of what I need to do here tonight in the United States of America, which is not at war, is to try and use what God has given me right here to communicate as effectively as I know how. And so let me give it a try. These people in Ukraine were minding their own business. They were living their own lives. Families just like yours. Going to work or running a small business just like, just like you. Living modestly. Having small homes or apartments. Raising their children, loving their children like nothing else on earth. Maybe they had a dog or dogs or cats. Put aside a little savings for their future. Some living on a pension. Some just born or little kids who'd been in the playground, been in kindergarten, nursery school, elementary school, middle school. Living the lives of a free people. Living the lives of a free people. Their military was not built built as an offensive military machine to take over other people or to take over another country. What they had was intended to defend themselves as they are constantly being threatened by a genocidal psychopath in Moscow. But they lived their lives. They just assumed it it wouldn't happen. It's just not possible that this crazed, insane individual in Moscow would lead the Russian army into their country, destroy their cities, murder their people. It just was unfathomable. Then they figured, even if that were to happen, the world wouldn't watch and let it happen, would it? The world wouldn't watch and let it happen. After all, they had listened to Joe Biden, they had listened to the President of France, the Chancellor in Germany, and all the others, telling them about diplomacy. And that if Russia did invade, Russia would be treated with economic sanctions that no country could survive. 
One week later. The tanks are there, the armored personnel carriers, the jet fighters, the helicopters, the missiles, the cluster bombs, the vacuum bombs. Now the citizenry. The citizenry itself is being targeted. That family is being torn apart. If they're lucky, the women and the children are heading to the western part of the country to get away from the Russian advance. If they're not lucky, they're stuck. Many of them were engineers, janitors, electricians, truck drivers, taxi drivers, lawyers, doctors, doesn't matter. All equal now in the defense of their country. Many of them have dug in with rifles and pistols up against tanks and bazookas and hand grenades, 50 caliber machine guns, and so forth and so on. But they want to defend their country. They want back what was taken from them. They can't live with themselves. They can't live with themselves if they flee. Despite the reports of rape and torture, summary execution and murder, they dig in. Their president, Zelensky, is a leader that we've seen few times in history. Few times. He doesn't run. He doesn't cower. He's not bombastic. He's not provocative. He's a leader and a statesman. Despite all that's going on around him. And the enemy, the genocidal maniac who runs Russia, is doing everything he can to assassinate him. And yet so far he has failed. He has failed where in the past he has never failed. Having assassinated journalists, political opponents, businessmen, anybody who gets in his way. In the United States, there's a president by the name of Biden who will not put in place the crushing sanctions that he promised because he specifically excludes the most important sanction of them all, sanctioning Russian energy, which would cut off funds, billions of funds a day, to the Russian economy and more specifically to the Russian army. He places sanctions on his own country's energy output, making it difficult, if not impossible, to produce the amount of fuel that's needed for this country to function. He's taken an energy-independent country, 
which after half a century has finally become energy independent under the leadership of his predecessor, Donald Trump, and with the signing of a document, signature on one piece of paper, he's killed it. He refuses to take the steps that need to be taken to get the Ukrainians the equipment that they need. NATO? NATO. We need NATO, everybody said. But for Donald Trump, NATO would even be weaker than it is today. But NATO will not allow countries, not even NATO itself, but countries on their own to provide MiG-29s to the pilots in Ukraine who desperately want them to attack the enemy. We're told that that might escalate things. We're never told that the Russians might escalate things, even though they refer to nuclear war. And they make those threats knowing exactly what our media will do. So the free world effectively watches. Doesn't provide them with the weaponry they need. Refuses to put in place the sanctions that will really place Russia on thin ice, the way Reagan destroyed the Soviet Union. It's not that hard to do, unless you don't have a backbone. Here in our own country, we have individuals on the left and the right, Democrats and Republicans, so-called conservatives and non-conservatives, who are and have been sympathetic to the genocidal maniac who runs Russia. They never criticize him, or if they do, they do it very gently, they do it in passing. They do it as a sentence to a long paragraph explaining why everybody else is at fault. These are Putin propagandists. They never talk about Putin escalating his war efforts. They never fear about Putin escalating his war efforts, unless it's in response to us trying to help a free people remain free. They are and sound preposterous, ridiculous, asinine. I speak of no one in particular. There's a, there's a whole bunch. I can't even figure out who they all are. But they're giving aid and comfort to the enemy. Not because they're exercising free speech in a different opinion. They're free to do that, and nobody's stopping them. It's because they're giving aid and comfort to the enemy. At the same time, something so preposterous, so unimaginable is taking place. The President of the United States, who has helped create these horrific situations given his surrender in Afghanistan and the 9,000 Americans who remain behind enemy lines, all but forgotten. The same president who kowtowed to Putin and gave him everything he wanted prior to Putin invading Ukraine is now using this same insane genocidal maniac to negotiate on behalf of the United States with the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran over nuclear weapons. 
The same country that is threatening us with nuclear weapons is negotiating with Iran over nuclear weapons on our behalf. And Biden and his administration will not share the information with Congress. So the Kremlin knows more about our position than Mitch McConnell knows. And so another ally, Israel, is deeply concerned about what's taking place. This, this is grave for Israel. This involves their very existence. Iran with a nuclear missile, can you imagine? And the individual in charge for the United States is a well-known appeaser and capitulator. He's the worst of the worst. He's a retread. You don't hear that being discussed very much, do you? Not on talk radio, not on our favorite cable channel, not on any cable channel. Poor Putin. Poor Putin. Then we're told Putin will fall, you see. The Russian people won't put up with it. Oh, really? Is that how Stalin left office? The Russian people wouldn't put up with it? No, he died of natural causes. Is that how Mao died? No, he he died of natural causes. Is that how Lenin died? No, he died of natural causes. Is that how Hitler died? No, he died of cyanide. Because the Allies were at his doorstep and he was a coward. These people in Ukraine deserve our support. I didn't say send troops into Ukraine. I didn't say have a no-fly zone. Two little things. Give them the weapons they need. And give us the oil we want. And sanction Russia's oil, not ours. Or these people who love freedom are going to continue to be slaughtered in a horrific bloodbath, continue to be tortured, continue to be raped. Having gone seven days, nine days ago, from a peaceful country to hell on earth. And the devastation you see on these cities remind me of the black and white films we saw when the Nazi tanks moved into one country or another. Or subsequently, when Stalin's tanks moved into many of these same countries after World War II. We say never again. But there it is again, right in front of your eyes. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. 
It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Ellie Mistel is a so-called justice correspondent for the nation, which is a radical left rag. Always has been. Always will be. And my view is always rooted against the United States. She was on PIX 11, PIX News, New York today. And I want you to listen to this because I don't think she's alone. Cut 14, go. Now, in your book, Allow Me to Retort, you reframe politics and the Constitution by kind of breaking down how it all impacts voting rights, like you mentioned, uh, LGBTQ rights, abortion rights, the list, as you know, goes on and on. So are you arguing that the Constitution needs to be scrapped altogether? <laughs> sure, but I don't think that's going to happen. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, if we could throw that out and start over with a new document that was more inclusive of everybody that was written by everybody at no point have black people, brown people or women had a say in actually writing the constitution or the amendments to that constitution. If we could throw that out and have a delegation of all Americans to write a new one, I would be all for that. That's what they did in South Africa. You know, when they got, when they got rid of apartheid, they didn't like tax some amendments onto their apartheid constitution. They threw their apartheid constitution out and they started over. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen here. Um, and so instead of that, what I'm really advocating for is that we interpret our constitution so that it, so that we extend justice and fairness and equality to all, as opposed to whatever the heck we do now. Mr. Producer, make sure you mark this audio for the future. This is exactly what I've been saying my entire life. That these people on the left want to destroy our republic. They want to destroy our constitution. Now, they can give whatever reason they want. doesn't really matter to me. The fact is, that's what they're about. Obviously, Ellie or Eli is a male. But then again, we don't focus on genitalia. So, but this is a serious matter. Sure, we should throw it up because we need to be more inclusive. You look at the Bill of Rights, pretty inclusive. You look at the Constitution, it's totally inclusive. It even abolishes the importation of slaves at a given year and date. It even punishes the South for not treating slaves as people when it comes to the apportionment of seats. It provides for two amendment processes where everyone can participate. We even have the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments adopted by the states, which outlaws slavery and confers citizenship on former slaves. So much good has come out of this Constitution. So much good. 
Should the Constitution change every 10 or 20 or 50 years when the demographics change, Mr. Producer? How many people should show up at this convention based on race and all the rest of it? How many? The amazing thing is, those of us who support Convention of States, we don't talk about throwing out the Constitution. We talk about a Convention of States, as Article 5 talks about. That's required by 34 state legislatures, and 38 state legislatures have to adopt the amendments that are proposed. But they don't believe in that. And so he's saying our fallback position is what? To reinterpret the Constitution, right? So that's why Sakon Vansetti on conservative radio and others need to start paying attention to the people who hate this country. This is why we cannot give up any battle, let alone every battle, whether you think it's hopeless or not. These are teaching moments. These are moments to get good at battling the left. They don't give up on anything. There was no doubt Kavanaugh would be a Supreme Court justice, but they didn't care. And we're not even saying create smears and lies about this nominee Jackson. We're saying just expose her record, which is enormously radical. Incredibly radical. So you fight it. Because she, honest to God, she doesn't believe in the Constitution either. Not as written. She's not an originalist. She's not a constitutionalist. She's a Joe Biden hack, and Joe Biden is, not, is neither an originalist or constitutionalist either. But I've been trying to explain time and again, the Democrat Party and their surrogates and these radicals on the left, they do not support the Constitution. They want to pack the court. They want to destroy separation of powers. They want centralized power. They want to advance their agenda by hook or by crook. They do not appreciate the liberty that we have in this country. They do not appreciate this country. Period. And this is who they are. This is who they are. No question about it. Now, I want to point out another thing. We have... uh, we have the, uh, this committee now, this January 6th committee, operating in secret, subpoenaing people, conducting depositions in secret, making public that which it chooses to cherry-pick and leak. New York Times headline, January 6th committee lays out potential criminal charges against Trump. Now, I want you to think about this. Doesn't this sound like Putin? CNN, Trump and right-wing lawyer were part of criminal conspiracy to overturn 2020 election. New York Times isn't done. Panel suggests Trump knew he lost the election, eyeing criminal case. NBC News, January 6th panel argues Trump was involved in criminal conspiracy to overturn election. Politico, January 6th committee says Trump violated multiple laws in effort to overturn election. ABC News, January 6th committee, evidence Trump engaged in criminal conspiracy may have broken laws. Newsweek, Donald Trump could face criminal charges after explosive John Eastman emails revealed. Washington Post, analysis, understanding the criminal allegations the January 6th committee is constructing against Trump. CNBC, U.S. Capitol riot panel says Trump may have engaged in a criminal conspiracy. Axios, 
January 6th panel alleges Trump may have engaged in criminal conspiracy, quote-unquote, to overturn the election. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is Nancy Eva Pelosi stretch. There's a hateful, vile, evil fascist. And I hope that appears everywhere on the Internet. It's not the first time I've called her a fascist. Certainly won't be the last time. And she has her fascistic committee appointed of sycophants. And these sycophants are doing her dirty work. And Liz Cheney, who has always hated Trump, and Adam Kingsinger has always hated Trump. This is the kind of a panel Joseph Stalin would be proud of. There's nobody who's objective or independent. These are political hacks trying to take out a pound of flesh on the prior president who's now a private citizen. And for them to make allegations of criminality without the criminal processes in place, I think even legal analysts like Andy McCarthy over there, my buddy at National Review would, would find this rather appalling, and he's no Trump fan. Jonathan Turley, for sure. Jonathan Turley, a Democrat, thought of as a liberal. I think he's more of a civil libertarian. I'm sure he would find this appalling, too. So would Alan Dershowitz. I certainly do. To keep smearing this man this way? There's no opposing counsel in any of these depositions. Nobody challenging what they're doing. We already saw that Schiffless Adam Schiff was manipulating data, which should have caused him to lose his law degree. And here, on that subject, I have a document from the Southern California news group, Terry Sfazorza. Trump lawyer John Eastman's law license in California may be in jeopardy. Say what? Former Chapman University professor, who is also the dean, is under investigation, State Bar confirms. For what? Former Chapman University Law School Dean John Eastman, who urged Vice President Mike Pence to not count electoral votes from states Joe Biden narrowly won so that Donald Trump might remain president. That is really an incredible run-on sentence that is so grotesque has been under investigation since September by the State Bar of California. So he's under investigation. Rudy Giuliani's under investigation. Sidney Powell's under investigation. The Bar's investigation announced Tuesday, March 1, focuses on whether Eastman, quote, engaged in conduct in violation of California law and ethics rules governing attorneys following in and in relation to the November 2020 presidential election. To my knowledge, Mark Elias is not under any similar investigation by the Washington, D.C. Bar. A number of individuals and entities have brought to the State Bar's attention press reports, court filings, and other public documents detailing Mr. Eastman's, Eastman's conduct. By the way, you can do this, too, to any lawyer, if you think you have grounds to do so. Said that Bar's chief trial counsel, George Cardin, in a prepared statement... We want to thank those who took the time to bring to our attention this information, what serves as the starting point for our investigation. So in other words, people have been insisting, requesting, clipping newspaper articles and other things in letters to the State Bar in California, which it is using now, to determine whether 
John Eastman should keep his law degree. Eastman did not return a request for comment, but attorney Randall Miller said, this is an email statement. Dr. Eastman, a nationally recognized constitutional attorney and scholar, and he is, represented former President Trump in several election challenges. As was his duty as an attorney, Eastman zealously represented his client, comprehensively exploring legal and constitutional means to advance his client's interests. Subsequent to that representation, he also sought to protect his client's privileged communications at every peril to himself, as his ethical obligation under the California Rules of Professional Conduct and California Business and Professional Code required. Dr. Eastman expects the bar's investigation into these matters will fully exonerate him from any charges. Don't be so fast there. We know how these independent and objective judges and ethics investigations go, don't we, ladies and gentlemen? Eastman's fundraising site also asserts he's been subpoenaed by the hyperpartisan January 6th committee in the House of Representatives, quote-unquote, which is targeting anyone involved in election integrity. Oh, yes. That's true. Who did I see they just subpoenaed today, Mr. Producer? I don't have it in front of me. Let's look it up real fast. Oh, yeah. Kimberly Guilfoyle. Kimberly Guilfoyle. Is there anybody in Trump's circle or related to Trump's circle or engaged to Trump's circle or who had breakfast, lunch, or dinner with anyone in Trump's circle who hasn't been subpoenaed? I believe they even went after Sean Hannity there for a period of time, didn't they, Mr. Producer? Except they realized they might have a First Amendment problem. Might have a First Amendment problem. And then they selectively leaked some of his texts, which is unconstitutional. But hey, this House under Pelosi, this committee, is disgusting. They are disgusting. And my fear is it's all going to be pushed to this Attorney General who has targeted Republican legislatures, who has targeted Republican uh, decisions on congressional districts, not Democrats, who has targeted parents at school board meetings. He is a louse. His whole Department of Justice is filled with comrades. It is appalling. And this is what's taking place in our country, the war within. It's a two-front war. The war against the access of evil, where so far we're We're not really involved. And, of course, the war against our system of government and our freedoms. So lawyers are not supposed to zealously represent their clients. And the Constitution is unambiguous about what a president of the Senate, or in this case the vice president of the United States, is supposed to do when he has information, or there's certainly public information, about problems or issues related to electors. And that's the basis for yanking law licenses? And that's the basis for criminal charges? These are sick bastards. These are the Stalinist Vladimir Putin wing of the Democrat and the Republican parties. These are the American Marxists and the American fascists. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. 
The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. If your military is using cluster bombs and vacuum bombs against the citizens of another country, which have almost 100% possibility of slaughtering people randomly, if you're shooting missiles into hospitals and schools, you're shooting missiles into apartment buildings, you're dropping bombs on these cities morning, noon, and night, they're not threatening your country, they're not firing a thing into your country, if you're sending Chechen hit squads in and you're sending others in who are, among other things, abusing the women, the, Chechnya, the, uh, the Ukrainian women. I just looked up what a war crime is. That fits the definition of a war crime. Here's Joe Biden when he's asked that Putin is committing war crimes. Cut four, go. We are following very closely. It's early to say that. Why, why do, why do is intentionally targeting civilian areas. There are over 2,000 civilians. There they are. So Putin hears this. First of all, he's laughing at the incoherence of this babbling buffoon. But in addition to that, he says it's too early to say if they're committing war crimes. And he says it's clear they are targeting civilians. Cut five, go. In the State of the Union address, I announced that the Department of Justice is going after the crimes of Russian oligarchs. Attorney General spoke to that earlier. And who uh, lined their pockets with Russian people's money. Okay, that's not going to save a single Ukrainian, as I've said before. Not one. I don't have a problem with this, but to announce this in lieu of providing him with the weapons they need is is outrageous. And on that very point, Ukrainian President Zelensky had the following to say about the failure to provide his country with the weaponry it needed before it was attacked. He said this today under questioning. Go ahead. You spoke this week with President Biden. How would you describe your conversations with the U.S. leader? And do you believe the Americans waited too long to give Ukraine the support you need to push back this Russian offensive? We have good contact. I can tell you the truth. And it's a pity that it began after the beginning of this war, but we have it. And I'm my appreciation to him and to his team. But they needed the weapons earlier. And that was Trey Yanks, by the way. Sorry. Fox. Fox has uh, very, very good reporting going on in theater there, as a matter of fact. So Biden, uh, it's not clear yet. It's too early whether war crimes are being committed. Really? And then he goes ahead and agrees that they are. Cut five. Go. In the State of the Union address, I announced that the Department of Justice is going after the crimes of Russian oligarchs. Attorney General spoke to that earlier and who uh, lined their pockets with Russian people's money and uh, while Ukraine and the people are hiding in, uh, in, uh, in subways from missiles. 
that are being fired indiscriminately in Russian cities. William Taylor, former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine on CNN. Well, what do you make of this Putin saying, you know, bringing up nuclear weapons? Cut seven, go. You've heard the Russian foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, say any third world war will be nuclear and it will be destructive. So yet another nuclear threat that is being bandied about either by Putin or one of his, uh, you know, top officials. Do you take these threats seriously? You have to take seriously um, those kind of threats. However, um, I don't believe that either Mr. Lavrov or more importantly, there's only one decision maker, as we know, Mr. Putin. I don't believe Mr. Putin is suicidal. I don't believe he would commit suicide in this effort. Nuclear weapons uh, have, have no place, no place in the world, certainly no place in this conflict. I don't believe that this is this is performance. This is what they're trying to rattle. They're trying to intimidate. But it works. It works with the American media. It works with the American Marxists and the American fascists. It works because they then start regurgitating what Putin says, don't they, Mr. Medusa? Putin said and Lavrov said, is that what you want? You want a nuclear war? You want your kids involved in a nuclear war? The idiocy knows no bounds, and yet it is abundant. It is abundant. I don't know. Do you want a nuclear war? I don't know anybody who wants a nuclear war. Do you, ladies and gentlemen? But you've got to create deterrence. You've got to create fear and respect. That's what you've got to do. And yet, when you keep buckling, you don't do that. And they're not only watching... Our enemies, the access of evil. What's going on in Ukraine now? They're watching what's going on with Iran. That the Biden administration is going to pay tens of billions of dollars to the corrupt Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran so it can complete its ICBM with nuclear warheads project. In which case, all bets are off. How do we put that? That Islamo-Nazi back in the bottle. Hmm? How do we do that? You can't. You can't. And I don't hear a lot of talking about this. I hear no talking about this. In the major media. Even in friendly media. I hear nothing. And that Biden would have to violate federal law, let alone the Constitution, but federal law in order to institute this policy not even going to Congress meanwhile Joe Biden is not only doing that the Russians are negotiating with the Iranians on our behalf now as I speak as I speak if you wanted to destroy America You'd install somebody like Joe Biden. You would install the people who are advising him. You would install Nancy Pelosi as the speaker. You would install Chuck Schumer as the Senate Democrat leader. You would install Liz Cheney as a mouthpiece on on a committee that has as its purpose to sabotage her own party. 
You would install the Pravda media that is the American media. If you wanted to destroy America, this is exactly how you do it. Isn't it? Yes, this is how you would do it. We now have dependence on foreign oil, including oil from, from Russia. The insanity is just unbelievable. It's so nuts that even Nancy Pelosi agrees with me. Cut eight, go. Speaker, there's been a push by some Democrats to ban the import of Russian oil. And I believe that Senators Manchin and Murkowski are going to put forth a bill on that today. Where do you stand? I'm, a, I'm all for that. Ban it. Ban the oil. Ban the oil Russia. come from Russia. Yep. Wow. She's half right, of course, but she doesn't support drilling our own oil. She supports sanctioning our own oil. Do you know if Vladimir Putin could, he would have put in place the same sanctions Biden did on our oil companies? Go ahead, steal that one back, Benchers. But it's true. So Jen Psaki, a true know-nothing, an idiot, the spokes idiot for the idiot, has a back and forth with an excellent reporter, Jackie Heinrich. Have you noticed, Mr. Producer, how I praise so many of my colleagues and that doesn't get a single write-up? Have you noticed that? Colleagues in cable, colleagues in radio, colleagues in publishing. I should mention colleagues at our digital TV uh, network, Blaze TV and Mark Levin TV. Fantastic people. But Johnny Dollar doesn't print that. Mediaite doesn't print that. Media Matters doesn't print that. Oh, my goodness. Jen Psaki. Just listen to what this idiot has to say. Cut nine. Go. On gas, you just said that, you know, less supply raises prices. It's not in our strategic interest to reduce the supply. We also know, you know, the president, as recently as yesterday, talked about increasing domestic manufacturing to bring down prices on uh, inflated items like goods. So why not apply the same logic to energy and increase domestic production here? Well, there are 9,000 approved oil leases that the oil companies are not tapping into currently. So I would ask them that question. Is there nothing that the administration can do to get those? Ladies and gentlemen, 9,000 approved oil leases. Let me explain something as a former deputy solicitor of the United States Department of Interior that was involved in such things. The issue isn't just approving oil leases. It can take up to two years to get rigs in these places. Most of them, certainly many of them, are in the middle of the wilderness. You've got to get people out there. You've got to get resources out there. You've got to build an infrastructure, so forth and so on. So to say, what about the 9,000 leases? Now, we know that they've shut down active, active oil drilling. They've shut down actual oil drilling on leases that have been leased by the federal government. We know that for a fact. We have half as many oil rigs working today as we had when Donald Trump was president in his last year. That is a fact. So she says, ask the oil companies. Well, go ahead and ask them. She's being glib. She doesn't have to sweat. She's fine. But people are fighting and dying 
People are losing their jobs. We're subsidizing the Russian war machine. And this is the glib answers that she gets, that you get. Go ahead. Pre-pandemic levels. Do you think the oil companies don't have enough money to drill on the places that have been pre-approved? So now it's the oil company's fault. The The oil companies that want to drill, the oil companies that are the enemy of the climate change fanatics and degrowthers, they say, let's tack big meat when the meat prices go up. Now it's the oil companies that aren't producing, ladies and gentlemen. Go ahead. I would, I would point that question to them, and we can talk about it more tomorrow when you learn more. Do you think that opening the Keystone Pipeline and having more energy-friendly policies might do that? The Keystone Pipeline has never been operational. It would take years Yes, but for Anwar that. was. You shut down Anwar. And it's amazing. The Keystone Pipeline has never been operational, but they had to get licenses to build it. And you took the licenses the way. This is my point. Well, they got 9,000 leases, you know. That's like saying 10 years ago you got a lease to build the Keystone Pipeline. You can't get it done in time. But what about where the rigs were actually producing? Are you going to open those? Yes or no, genius? Go ahead impact. I know a number of members of Congress have suggested that, but that is a proposed solution that has no relationship or would have no impact on what the problem is. We hear all agrees. And Ladies and gentlemen, you see, opening our spigots for oil and natural gas would have no impact at all. That's right. The fact that you see the price of gasoline going through the roof even before uh, the Russian fascists um, uh, invaded the uh, Ukrainian Democrats and their country, even before that. That had nothing to do with Joe Biden's policies. No, 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 you don't understand. This woman lies through her teeth. This woman, you know, she could work for Putin, I think. She'd be a good spokesman for Putin, don't you think, Mr. Producer? I really think she would. She lies right through her teeth. Go ahead. Those years where it would you know, take to bring down prices, as you're saying, we should just continue to buy Russian oil? Well, again, Jackie, I think you're familiar with a number of steps we've taken, a historic release from the strategic... Actually, Jackie, you've asked very good penetrating questions. This woman is going to lie and lie and lie. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. As Russia continues to attack the citizenry of Ukraine, viciously and brutally unprovoked, they continue to use their army against the civilians of that country. As they now invite the Syrians in, because I guess they're running out of soldiers, I don't know. And they have the Wagner Group, a hit squad, and they have the Chechnyans, hit squads coming in to try and take out various officials and individuals. Russia warns NATO and the United States, stop supplying arms to Ukraine. Excuse me? And the Putin wing of the Republican Party, the Putin wing of the media, they're shivering, they're wetting themselves. Because Putin Putin mentioned nuclear war. Lavrock, his uh, right-hand clown, mentions nuclear war. Ladies and gentlemen, 
We're in this position today because we've shown nothing but weakness. Certainly I, and nobody I know, is looking for all-out war or ground war in Europe and so forth and so on. But the way you avoid war is peace through strength, exactly what Ronald Reagan said and did, and exactly what Donald Trump did. Donald Trump wouldn't have put up with this crap either. We all sound like a bunch of McGovernites now, a Buchananites. It's really quite pathetic. It really is quite pathetic. And the failure of this administration to use its muscle when it comes to oil and gasoline is a disgrace. Now we hear from Blinken. Not Biden, Blinken. The Secretary of the State of Confusion. That we are offering to the Poles and others a swap. That if they'll allow the Ukrainian pilots to use some of their F-16s and MiG-29s, which they know how to fight, we will help replace them. But Putin, we're told, might view that as an act of war. Ladies and gentlemen, Putin is becoming a propagandist for the Putin wing of the Republican Party, for the Democrat Party, for the media, and all the rest of them. What are we going to do if he gets through with Ukraine and then he goes into Romania or Latvia or Lithuania or Estonia or Hungary or Poland? Now you're going to have a real war on your hands. That's why Ukraine must be the red line. Ukraine is it. And the people in Ukraine want to fight, and they are fighting. The people in Ukraine are fighting. Giving the Russians a hell of a time, even though they're way outmanned, way outmanned in terms of weaponry. I've talked to some generals, I've talked to some majors and colonels, I've talked to combat strategists and so forth. I don't just bring in one or two ding-dongs or crackpots, like some of my brothers and sisters in this business. Almost to a man, and in one case a woman, they agree. No fly zone. We can't, we can't be involved in that. We can't send ground troops, and we can do a hell of a lot more than we're doing. A hell of a lot more. As we must. Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham. In some ways, he's been an unmitigated disaster when it comes to judges, in my view. I've told him that myself. And in many ways, he's an interventionist. I'm not an interventionist. But he's right on this. He's correct on this. That this being, if Putin could be taken out, he should be taken out. Not by us. By his own people. By the people he's attacking and trying to destroy and and, uh, and murder in Moss, they have every right to fight back. They have every right to try and take him out. That's why he's hiding like a, uh, like a cornered rat. He's not in Moscow, they say. He's in some massive bunker surrounded by uh, confidants and all the rest. 
Now, I understand we are, what do they call it, Mr. Producer, on Twitter, when, you're take, when there's just a lot of action going on on some tweet or something? I understand my monologue from last night on Life, Liberty, and Liberty is trending on Twitter. Now, I don't follow Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. I don't know precisely what trending on Twitter means because I don't give a damn. I'm a free man. You know, it feels so good not to care what Twitter does, people on Twitter do, or Facebook. It's so liberating. You really ought to try it. You ought to try a second life. Try freedom. Get all these emails. And over on the, uh, on the Blaze, on the site there, our wonderful site there, it's Levin's monologue from last night is trending on Twitter. I said trending on Twitter? Yeah. Who cares? What do I care? And I get emails from people telling me, and I won't name their names, what's with so-and-so and such-and-such? I said, what are you talking about? Well, so I thought they were conservatives. I thought at least they would understand the difference between Putin and Levinsky. I said, well, apparently they don't. Apparently they don't, they don't know the difference, or apparently they don't care. Well, in any event... I do care. And I see the Reagan Foundation and Library is going to be awarding, or has awarded, Levinsky in Ukraine uh, the Ronald Reagan Medal, which is rarely presented except to true, uh, true statesmen and world leaders, of which he is one, no question about it. Some people are trying to walk a fine line here, too. So, you know, I, I don't want us to start World War III. On the other hand, I do understand if the situation's out of control, because wars don't work this way. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Putin is not going to fire nuclear weapons. You want to know why, Mr. Producer? He doesn't want to get obliterated. He likes power. He's the kind of guy that's constantly looking in the mirror. Remember when he rides the horse around without a shirt? When he rides his horse around without a shirt, you know what he looks like? A middle-aged guy riding his horse around without a shirt. In other words, it's not a very pretty picture. He's not suicidal. If he were suicidal, he'd already launch nukes. Why wait? Why wait? Why not send tactical nukes right now? Right into Ukraine. Or for that matter, into the NATO countries. Why not? Why doesn't he just do it now? What does he have to wait for provocation? If you're planning on using nukes, and you want to go down like it's uh, like it's the movie Failsafe, I uh, I don't know what he's waiting for. He's waiting for it because he doesn't want to do it. That's why. It's not like he's an Islamo-Nazi in Tehran. Now those guys with nukes could be very dangerous. Because they believe God has told them to use the nukes to advance their, their faith, I suppose. But Putin doesn't have a faith. Except in himself. Myriad assassinations. Murder. He wants to hold on to power. Why would he want to kill him himself? He doesn't. First of all, he's a coward. He's cloak and dagger. He's KGB. In my view. Secondly, a guy like him needs to understand strength. 
Tell me, why didn't he invade Ukraine when Donald Trump was president if he doesn't care about nukes? Hmm? Because he does. Well, why didn't he? Because he feared Trump. He didn't know what he would do. He figured he's unpredictable at a minimum. That's good. Xi didn't either. Why? Because he feared Trump too. Why did they fear Trump? Because Trump built up the military? He's quite forceful in the statements he made. He made many statements to these uh, genocidal maniacs in personal conversations, warning them. As President Trump apparently said at, at some event recently, he told Putin he'll hit Moscow if they hit one of these countries or, or take a shot at us. Apparently that got Putin's attention. He didn't say, you know what, you're escalating, I'm shooting missiles, nuclear missiles. He didn't do that. Most of the people commenting about what's taking place are utterly ignorant of history, completely and utterly. Most of them haven't read many books, let alone one book, on the rise of Mao, the rise of Lenin, the rise of Hitler, and on and on and on. They cherry-pick their generals, they cherry-pick their guests to advance a point of view. That's all. I had one gentleman come up to me today, and he said to me, very nice guy. He said, I'm a big fan, but I have a question. I said, go ahead. Why do we believe the press today? I said, I don't believe the press today. He said, but you believe that Putin is ravaging through Ukraine? I said, sir, that's not a matter of believing our press. That's the world press. Those are cameras. There's Fox people there. There's independent reporters there. There are long lines of evacuees. You can see the cities and so forth. It's just like man landing on the moon. Putin has, in fact, invaded Ukraine. It's not a matter of believing the press. It's a matter of believing your own eyes and your own ears. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the one who wants to prevent a world war. But I see this axis of evil between Tehran, Beijing, and Moscow. And I thought James Carfano made a very important point last night on life, liberty, and living, and he said you can't analyze Russia without realizing what's taking place in China and Iran. They're sharing each other's goals. They're backstopping each other. China needs oil. Iran provides it. Russia needs a financial system because we've cut them off. China provides it. And I can go through the whole list. You think you duck Ukraine, then it's over. It's not over. That's not how Putin thinks. And as Carfano pointed out, he served 25 years in the United States military. I know they'll attack him. Well, he worked at the Heritage Foundation with all the neocons. Stop listening to stupidity, in my humble opinion. Left, right, in between. This isn't about left, right, in between. This is about prudence. This is about experience. This is about judgment. This is about knowing what the hell you're talking about. The fact of the matter is, we leave Putin alone, or leave this situation alone. What do we have to do with it? It's going to expand. We left Putin alone. We didn't send anything into Ukraine of any significance. We didn't send in any Patriot missiles. We didn't do that stuff. Putin was left alone. 
So he attacked. Why? Because he was left alone. And he saw what was going on in Afghanistan. And you have a lot of people today on radio and TV and in the media who've written books who are rewriting history. They wanted to get out of Afghanistan, and they didn't care how the hell they would get out of Afghanistan. All of us are, well, you didn't do it right. Oh, okay. When Trump took out Soleimani, just remember what you saw on TV and heard on the radio and read in the newspapers. That's a provocative act. Iran's going to get angry. So we're not allowed to defend ourselves unless Lawrence, Kansas is hit. Unless Elizabeth, New Jersey is directly hit. Unless Peoria, Illinois is directly hit. Only then, you see, can we stand There's a lot of what we call dreck. There's a lot of crap that you're hearing. And by the way, when you hear people dismiss the opinion of other people, well, you know, that's just the military-industrial complex. That's just a, What's the military-industrial complex? We didn't go on offense, and I'm not even saying we should send troops into Ukraine. What military-industrial complex? Folks, we don't have enough. We, turns out today we found we don't have enough F-16s to go around. Did you hear that, Mr. Producer? We don't have enough F-16s. This is, our, this is the heart of our Air Force right now, even still, even though it's being replaced, to go around to NATO and so. It's shocking. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. The media are talking about this large, massive convoy, Russian tanks and troop carriers and so forth, heading for Kiev. And um, this is why... I'm just, as a commentator here behind a microphone, so frustrated that if this little country had more jet fighters, uh, the Russians would be very careful about having a multi-mile-long convoy, wouldn't they, Mr. Producer? That would be easy pickings. Easy pickings. Or if they had enough drones, easy pickings. Uh, I don't know what we're providing. I mean... I think it was 36 hours ago, the administration announced $350 million in military aid. Ladies and gentlemen, $350 million in military aid doesn't do crap. The Germans are doing more than we are now. The uh, European Union is doing more than we are now. I'm very, very concerned about this. Uh, There's a piece here at AOL, I guess it is. Really Yahoo News. Since launching an invasion to Ukraine last week, Putin and his country have faced intense international backlash ranging from crippling economic sanctions to condemnation from the worlds of sports and culture. There's not been enough condemnation from the worlds of sports, just some. Just some. And there's not been enough sanctions. I don't understand this ratcheting up thing. The guy's now dropping, uh, uh, what do they call those bombs? Anyway... On schools and hospitals. Putin doesn't care about life. The U.S. taken action against Russia, including uh, sending half a billion dollars of military aid. Group is also freezing the assets of Putin and other Russian officials, as well as freezing roughly half the country's foreign currency reserves. It's also targeting Belarus, which is thrown in with Russia, of course, and it's President Alexander Lashenko. 
who's allowing his country to be a military base for the assault. Uh, Let's see. The EU said it would be banning Russia today, Sputnik, and their Russian state media affiliates from the airwaves, so they'll no longer be able to spread their lies. Chancellor, uh, uh, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz said in a speech Sunday that Germany would be increasing its defense budget in response to the invasion, calling it a turning point in the history of our continent and adding, it's clear that we need to invest significantly more in the security of our country. What happened to Merkel? Merkel used to blame this guy for blocking her from doing these things. Well, she was a fraud and a liar. Uh... He says uh, he had already announced last week that his country was halting certification of the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. I like this. Far-right Hungarian prime minister. Why not just say Hungarian prime minister? They don't even call Putin far-right. Viktor Orban, considered an ally of Putin, announced that his country would not block any of the EU sanctions against Russia. This represents a notable departure for Orban, who met with Putin in Moscow on February 1 and said afterward... Russia's security concerns were reasonable, that sanctions against the nation were pointless and doomed to failure. Hungary, which borders Ukraine, is also bracing for a flow of refugees. Well, it looks like Orban had a change of heart, like have uh, many of his surrogates in our own country. Can't trust Putin. The United States announced it was targeting banks, oligarchs close to Putin and Putin himself. That's all I see here. The U.S. has also been pushing other countries to take harsh measures. He says, uh, we'll strike a blow, Biden says, to their ability to continue to modernize their military. I'll degrade their space industry, including their space program. It'll hurt their ability to build ships. What will? We're not getting a whole lot of uh, specifics, are we? Switzerland. One of the latest and most notable reactions to the invasion is the fact that Switzerland has chosen a side. On Monday, the famously neutral country said it would adopt European Union sanctions against Moscow and freeze Russian assets located in its banks. Government adopted sanctions specifically against Putin, Prime Minister Mikhail Mushkin, and Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Good for them. That's a good thing. Even the Finnish are getting involved. The two nations that border Russia were threatened with serious military political consequences by Moscow if they were to join NATO, but both of them brushed off the threats. Finished Foreign Minister Pika Havisto said, We've heard this before and don't think that it calls for a military threat. Finland's 830-mile border with Russia is the longest of any European Union country. I want to be extremely clear. It is Sweden that itself and independently decides on our security policy line, added the Swedish Prime Minister. Uh, Magdalena Andersons, she said in a statement. Asia, Japan, South Korea, and Taiwan are among the nations to announce their support of Ukraine and condemnation of Russia. Japanese Prime Minister Fumo Kishida said his country would join in freezing transactions from Russia's central bank and limiting exports, as well as pledging $100 million humanitarian aid to Ukraine. Doesn't it sound like the rest of the world is doing more than Biden, Mr. Producer? I'm, I'm quite serious about this. Why are we not blowing out this guy's energy industry? Why are we not blowing out this guy's energy industry and opening ours? It's very simple. (coughs) Excuse me. I told Ukrainian President Zelensky that Japan is with Ukraine, said the president of Japan. 
and offered firm support for Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity. South Korea announced it would also be blocking strategic exports, potentially including electronic semiconductors and computers, as well as helping to limit Russia's access to SWIFT system, the financial system. Taiwan said it would be joining in the sanctions and its computer chip companies would be complying. I want to talk about Taiwan in a minute. Airspace ban. Russian aircraft have been banned from flying over the entire European Union, a move taken over the weekend by all 27 countries. We are shutting down the EU airspace for Russian-owned, Russian-registered, or Russian-controlled aircraft. They won't be able to land in, take off, or overfly the territory of the European Union, including the private jets of the oligarchs, they said. Canada has announced similar measures. I said they ought to take that Trudeau and put him in charge of stealing bank accounts and all the rest of it. This guy's had practice on his own people. Eurovision, the annual song contest featuring representatives from across the region, said Russia would not be allowed to compete in the popular show, which boasts over 180 million viewers. Now, you might say what that's all about. This reaches into the Russian population. It, It is important, actually from a psychological point of view, at a minimum. The announcement came after Ukrainian petition and general blowback in response to the competition's initial decision to allow Russia to remain in the field. The European Broadcasting Union has announced that no Russian act will participate in this year's Eurovision Song Contest. The Russian Grand Prix, Formula One, has canceled its race, scheduled for Sachi in September. That's been dealt with. Uh, And uh, let's see here. The 2022 World Cup. Indefinite ban against Russian teams. The move came a day after the organization issued much lighter sanctions, resulting in severe criticism. And it goes on. I don't see anything here from any of our professional leagues. Do you, Mr. Producer? Oh, yeah, you, you know what? Good point. They're busy kowtowing to communist China. They can only kowtow to one genocidal regime at a time. I'm waiting for LeBron James to speak out. I'm waiting for all the anchors at ESPN to speak out. I'm waiting for that Popovich or whatever that moron's name and Steph Ke- and uh, what's the other guy's name? Is not, not the basketball player, the coach. I'm waiting for all these clowns to speak out. I'm not hearing anything. Where's the owner of the Mavericks? What's that billionaire's name? I forget his name, too. God, am I the only one losing my mind? Mark Cuban, that's it. Where's Mark Cuban? Or as Bernie Sanders would say, Mark Huber. Where is he? Nowhere. Where are all the big mouths? Where are all the big mouths in professional sports? Where are they? They're nowhere. Where are the big mouths in baseball? They're busy striking. Oh, okay. Where are they? All the big mouths. Nowhere. Where are you on ESPN? I thought you cared about human rights. Apparently not so much. Apparently not so much. The governors all across this country, both parties, doesn't matter. Use your pension funds as a weapon against this country. Russia, not ours. Use your pension funds. Use your investment funds. 
Take a close look at what your states produce. Whatever they produce, cut it off from Russia. Choke that bastard out of office. He's not our friend. I don't care what some of the frauds, phonies, and finks have to say. He's made that abundantly clear. America's not the enemy. America first, baby. Not second or third. And I'm very serious about this. Meanwhile, you're not going to believe this. Biden administration is still relying on Russia to finalize the Iran nuclear deal. That's our intermediary. When we come back, we're going to have Alan West on again. I wanted to tap into his, his intelligence here. But I want to get back to this after. The Biden administration is still relying on Russia, writes Adam Crato. Still relying on Russia on the nuclear deal with Iran. This is what I'm talking about. Sweden's doing more than we are. <laughs> 